I'll be excited to see what can happen to you in the next two or three years. What are you working on right now? Like in, the, in addition to the medications, are you trying anything new or do you kind of just stay um, at a certain base level or what are you working on right now? That is a great question. So um, I, I am in remission now, thanks to some medications that I decided to take back in the fall um, because I, I tried so many things, you name it, I have tried it. Um, but I kind of got to this point where mentally, emotionally, it was really stressful on me just because I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. I was doing all the things and not getting a result. So like mentally, emotionally, I felt like I just needed a break from like yeah. all the testing and everything. But just last week, I ran a GI map, so I'm waiting for those results. And yeah, we're just, I'm just going to continue to work on the gut health because now, like, I don't have any symptoms besides the UC. So, like, I don't even really need to work on the other stuff. I mean, knock yeah. on wood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my skin is cleared up. My hormones are balanced. My periods are regular. You know, all, all the random things that were going on with my, not random, but all the symptoms that were happening in my health, I mean, really have gotten better. So... Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. I graduated from the FDN course six and a half years ago now, actually just about six years ago now. I suffered with seven different conditions at the age of 18, and I'm thankful to say I do not meet the diagnostic criteria any longer for any of those things, and in fact, pretty much don't have the symptoms of any of those things at all. So I'm very blessed to be able to say that. And it's led to my passion for this work, and that's why I have the privilege of hosting this podcast for FDN, which is a program that certifies people in basically being able to get these results for other people and start a thriving business if this is how you want to live your life. Today, we are interviewing someone who is an FDN practitioner herself. It's Tina Hoppert. She is also a certified nutrition coach, cookbook author, podcast host of a podcast called Carrots and Cake, wife, mom, and the creative mind behind the business Carrots and Cake. Tina and her coaching team work one-on-one -on -one with clients, utilizing functional testing and a macro-based nutrition approach to help them enhance their metabolism and diet to achieve their health and body composition goals. Tina was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis 12 years ago and is also an active IBD advocate. So IBD is irritable bowel disease for those that are not aware. Now what's interesting about Tina's story and what I really appreciated about her podcast is very often we have people on who are, are kind of in the same boat that I am. Maybe they don't have the symptoms at all of the things that they're dealing with. But I find it interesting that we catch Tina in, I wouldn't call it the midst of her journey, because she's certainly farther than the middle. But, you know, she's within the journey. That's for sure. And it goes to show this stuff is possible. You can get consistently better over time. And it is my absolute belief that Tina will get to exactly where she set out to get to. 
But she's had these conditions for a long time. You'll find out in the podcast. Like we're talking over a decade before lab testing got brought out and before protocols were really being intelligently done. And that's a lot of the people that come on this show. We normally just catch them another 10 years down the road. So it's really great to have her come on today in her current uh, just state and place that she's in and just be so transparent. I think it's actually much more relatable for a lot of the people that might click on a podcast like this or listen to our show. And I hope you guys got as much out of it as I did. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. All right. Hello there, Tina, and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to have you. Actually, it's kind of fun because we just got to do something on her podcast. So before we get into anything else, I always shout people's businesses out at the end, but um, we got to get that going right away. So where can people find the podcast? Because if they're listening to this today or watching this, ours is well out. It's been out for a couple of weeks already. Yes. So I my podcast is called Carrots and Cake. It's on all the usual platforms, Apple, Spotify, you search carrots and cake, you will find it. And what are the typical topics that someone might expect to listen to on that? Because we always want, listen, we love people listening to our podcast, but we know that there's, it's like TV, you know, you don't just watch one show, you can watch a lot. So what are some of the topics people can expect on there? I would say in general, just women's health, but there's definitely a focus on hormones, healing your body, body composition changes, maybe a little bit of weight loss, but not crazy weight loss, more of the responsible approach to weight loss and changing your body. <laughs> Cool. I like that trend that's happening. That seems to be something that we need to stick with, ideally, as a society. So how we will get started today, because as you guys already know, if you're listening, you already heard the bio. Tina and I just jumped right into it, but you would have heard her background a little bit. And one of the things that you heard is that she is an FDN practitioner. So what's cool is I like to walk through uh, these stories and journeys of getting into functional and natural medicine very similarly, because you can ask similar questions, but the journeys are completely unique. Um, so my first question that I'd like to start with today, Tina, is when we always typically start with on the show. And that's you know, when did the health stuff kind of start for you? Because it really goes one of two ways. You either had health symptoms yourself or someone very close to you that you cared about had health symptoms. That's been 99% of the people on the show. So whichever it was, when did that begin and what did that look like? Yeah. So this is definitely part of my story. Um, I was diagnosed in 2011 with ulcerative colitis. And at the time I felt like it came out of nowhere. I was like, how did I get this diagnosis? What? Like, you know, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. And then obviously learning more about health and the body and doing the FDN certification, I, I had it coming to me. <laughs> As far as having GI issues before there, how I treated my body, how I lived my life, all of that hidden stress, you know, eventually came out in in my body as far as GI issues. But yeah, I mean, it, it was also kind of interesting, too, because I got my start online as um, a healthy living blogger. I started my blog back in 2008 and really developed this, you know, incredible following and whatnot. And, you know, getting that diagnosis as somebody who is living this like healthy living lifestyle um, was quite the change as far as like the direction of taking my health and things that I focused on. So it was like a really big deal at the time. And since then, I've really <laughs> kind of struggled with it. Um, but finding FDN has really just changed my health for the better, for sure. Nice. Well, and yet when these things happen, you know, we, we do get a lot of people that are, quote unquote, into health uh, prior to getting the diagnosis or getting into FDN. And I think it redefines 
our entire definition of what health is or isn't. I remember as a kid, and I, I think many people, especially in America, still walk around with this definition, whether they whether they say it out loud or not, it's kind of the bias in our brain, is that, oh, if someone's thin, you know, they've done as much as they can on the food side, like they're healthy. And that stigma and stereotype was one of the biggest killers for me because I've never been someone who can gain weight easily, even in great health now. It's still something that I would have to consciously try to do. And of course, there's like 70% of people listening saying, oh, well, it must be nice, right? Grass is always greener on the other side type of thing. Because the opposite issue with that is there was nothing that society looked at when I was younger that said, oh, this kid's unhealthy. These are just diseases that he has because he has bad genetics. Well, it turns out food could be something involved in weight. It could be something involved in the disease states that you have or diagnoses that you have. So it's complicated and uh, there's many things that go into this stuff. You had mentioned, speaking of things that are complicated and how there's many things that go into it, you had mentioned that prior to getting this diagnosis, now that you know better, you realize there were some warning signs. I'm always uh, very interested in that because I think it can help people if we're lucky enough to get someone listening before they're in the ringer with all this stuff. You get the diagnosis in 2011, you said. What was going on before that? Did you have symptoms five years before, 10 years before? What were those? Well, this is the thing that I think was so interesting about my journey is that I ignored so many of the symptoms. I was like, it is what it is, you know, like I was having, well, initially it was, you know, you know, we love talking about GI stuff, right? <laughs> but, you know, more constipation where I wasn't going to the bathroom or having a bowel movement for a number of days, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, eh, it just is what it is. When my body's ready to go to the bathroom, it'll go to the bathroom. And then I had the flip side where I had just regular diarrhea that just never got better, but it was probably weeks and weeks. It was probably like a good month or two of those symptoms. And I was just like, eh, things will get back on track. I'm not really worried about it. Living my life, doing like a million things, traveling. Like I just was too busy to focus on my health. And I really ignored all the symptoms until it got so bad that like I couldn't live my life and I had to see a doctor and, you know, get a diagnosis and all of that. But I ignored the symptoms for years and years and years. And I just feel like, you know, working with women now, I think it's the same thing. You have so many competing priorities that your health sometimes is like the last thing on the totem pole, or like you just let it go for so long until you get to a place where you can't really ignore the symptoms. But that was a hundred percent me. Well, yeah. And speaking on the idea of letting it go, I mean, at the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because it could be unique for everyone. Do you think in your head, it's not that we don't think about this so literally, because we're going about our day to day life. It's not like someone says, oh, this is just normal. But the way we treat it, we almost by definition are acting like it's normal. I remember, for example, I had, you know, these stomach issues after I would go and eat certain things. And so I would take Tums. But to me, if you had asked me, is acid reflux normal? Maybe I would have thought about that more in depth and intelligently. But at the time, I just took Tums because like, oh, you get acid reflux sometimes. Like, that's what it is. So do you think you had that same kind of belief system for uh, up until the disease state, at least when you got a diagnosis? Was it just like, this is just things that happen to people and you take something for it? Yep. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, I would just like something <laughs> would happen and I'd be like, oh, that's weird. But it wasn't so bad that it like gave me that, inkling that like, oh, maybe we should look into this a little bit. It was just, I was young. I was only 31 when I was diagnosed. So I went many years having these weird little health things pop up here and there. But yeah, I would get a prescription for something. I would get better and I would just move on with my life. But yeah, it just, I ignored it for so long. It really did get to that disease state, like you said. You are, okay. So you're one of these people that makes me so hopeful on a complete side <laughs> note here, because I'm 
I'll, I won't say it out loud, but I'll do the math. So 2011, 31, it's 2023 at the time of recording this. We have so many men and women that come on this show that do not look anywhere close to their age. Like I'm very surprised. I, I had no idea that you were in your 40s now. And so I'm very hopeful that I could stay good looking and healthy as I age in this. So I'm lucky I got into functional medicine stuff quick. So uh, so many of our guests have done that. It's kind of amazing. And Reed Davis himself is the biggest testament, yes. right? The guy's like 70. And I'm watching um, his wife's Instagram story the other day as he's, I don't even know what that's called. I think it's waveboarding when like, he's being carried by a boat and he's like lifted up on it and like surfing on the thing. I'm like, this man is 70 years old. You know, mm-hmm. the life expectancy in America is like four years greater than him. And he's like learning skills that I, I can't even get half our youth to do successfully probably because we're so messed up. So complete side note, get healthy, live forever. And we all get to look good. It's awesome. <laughs> so with these warning signs that were coming, you perceive them as, as normal enough, right? Normal enough that we're not going to do anything. And then you know, all of a sudden this diagnosis hits you. So it's a, it's a big learning lesson for anyone that listens and we're humans. So we're not good at this. We kind of need enough pain that the idea of change leads us. Well, how should I wear this? It's kind of like one of those things. It's a quote where we don't change anything until the pain of what we're actually dealing with outweighs the great uh, the greatness of the pain of change, right? So probably could have worded that much more eloquently, but you guys get the principle. So, and for myself, it was the same thing. You know, I walked through life for 13 years, getting worse and worse and worse. And then we kind of all have our final straw. So it might be a diagnosis. Um, It might not even be the diagnosis though, because I had like six other things diagnosed and I was still like, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to not have these, but wow, I'm just a sick kid. This is what happens. And then you finally get something where you're like, whoa, this doesn't make sense. So initially you found this shocking because you have that healthy lifestyle already or what you perceived to be healthy relative to other people. And it probably was relative to other people. Um, When this happened, did you initially like first week start looking at the health side or were you more responding in the Western medicine way saying, hey, this needs to be treated or whatever? Like what are the initial thoughts as you receive the diagnosis? So at that point, my body, I was in a full on UC flare, you know, blood, diarrhea, urgency, like so much inflammation that the doctor, my doctor at that time, I have a different doctor now, but doctor that I like a lot more. um, But that doctor put me on prednisone and prednisone just calmed down all the inflammation and everything. And, you know, things got better and I was kind of back at it. And honestly, I didn't make too many changes in the beginning. Like I just was like, oh, this is something that just happens. I'm going to take some medication and I'm going to be good. And I was good for a little bit, but, you know, I kept having flare symptoms. I never really was a hundred percent. And my focus was diet right off the bat. You know, I, I went for the paleo diet, cut out all gluten, all dairy. Um, and honestly, like, I never really got better, to be honest. Like for me, as much as I want it to be the diet, and I'm a pretty healthy eater, I have tried every diet ever. (laughs) Like you name it, I have done it. I've done the most extreme diets. But I think for me, it really was managing the stress. And I mean, as an FDN, we know all about stress and, you know, what it can do to the body. But it took many years for me really to get to that place of pain um, and to that like rock bottom to be Mm -hmm. like, what you are doing is not working. You really need to get a hold of your stress. I also wasn't sleeping. I was exercising too hard. I was working too many hours. And I was just so focused on nailing the diet and doing the diet perfectly. Um, I just was focused on the wrong things. And I really I really have struggled with this, this disease over the years. Okay. I mean, I've been on all the medications. I've been off the medications. I've been back on the medications. Um, and I really have just changed 
my perspective on health, to be honest. I know that wasn't like a straight answer to what you asked me, but it really changed my thinking on literally everything when it comes to like my body and my health and well-being. That's okay. I never give a straight question or a straight answer myself, so it's all good. But and and it's also why I like to do the organic free flow conversations here because you know we're kind of touching on an interesting point that I very much appreciate your transparency. We never want someone coming on this show and acting like everything's perfect. Sometimes right. we do have people that have legitimately fully resolved things. I'm lucky enough to say, I mean, I don't meet the diagnostic criteria uh, for any of the seven conditions that I had. But other times, it's how do we get life. Um, as good as we can, or was really interesting. And I, I don't know how many times this has happened, but I, from my understanding, it has happened at least a couple of times. Sometimes the guest comes on and someone listening says, oh, wait, I know exactly what to do for this. And then they reach out and the guest that's tried a bunch of stuff has one new thing to try. So it's really cool how that works. Um, I, I keep forgetting this. I actually have a sticky note for myself. And I, I always forget to do this on the show because now we're 200 and something episodes in. And so it free flows a lot, which is great. But I need to ask more. Some of my uh, audience members keep asking this. Can we define the conditions a little better? Because, Ev, we're not doctors and don't know all this stuff. And quite frankly, I couldn't even – I have like an idea of ulcerative colitis. We've had it on before, but I can't give some presentation on it. So if you don't mind me backtracking, let's talk about what the hell is ulcerative colitis? What's going on um, in the body when that occurs? Oh, it's, it's a fun one. Uh, but it's <laughs> literally, you know <laughs> – ulcers, ulceration um, in the colon, and there's inflammation in the colon. So doctors don't know why it happens. Obviously, we have a lot of ideas. There's no cure for it. Um, and at this point, it really is symptom management, unless you can figure out a holistic approach to heal your body. And that's still the journey I'm on. Um, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you kind of mentioned, you know, like, even though, you know, I'm on this podcast talking about this, I'm still trying to figure it out for sure. And I'm on medications, but I see medications as a tool in the toolbox. Yep. And I still eat really healthy. I sleep. I manage my stress. You know, I take my supplements. So it's never one thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's been quite the journey to get to this place because I really thought I needed to heal myself naturally and medications were just you know, something I didn't need. Um, and I'm really at that point in my journey where I'm like, nope, I just want to be healthy. I want to be healthy and be able to live my life. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's how this stuff should be used. I constantly reiterate this just in case someone's listening for the first time, because I don't want to seem dogmatic. The one medication I still use to this day, and it's not every time, but flying is just, I, I don't think we were supposed to be 35,000 feet above the ground. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I don't know about you guys. I wasn't born with wings. I don't do that. So I still get very anxious about it. And I started to realize, Tina, that on longer flights, especially, like, and think about it, you're traveling for work normally. Uh, at least I am. It's not always, it's usually never vacation. It's normally work. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. I enjoy what we do, but it is stressful. You're changing time zones. You got a conference going on. You're now indoors all day when normally I have a better routine to get outside. I was getting so stressed about the flight and I was so dogmatic of like, dude, I can't take any medication for this. I got to be better than this. I was getting colds, like, like the illness, like a cold, every single time I traveled by the time I, the conference started. And you're like, well, how does that happen? Why do you get a cold? And it's like, for those that don't understand what I'm saying, it's that the stress was so bad, the immune system lowers, we're exposed to these viruses all the time. It's just you don't normally get them um, if you're healthy and doing what you need to be doing um, or you're not under a lot of stress. But I was like, okay, do I need to be the hero here? Or is it okay to say, hey, man, you had seven different diagnosed conditions. You were using various medications and now you use one occasionally for something that you can argue human beings were never supposed to do. Hey, let's work on this. Let's try to make progress and see if we can get somewhere with meditation and other things. But 
this is okay, man. Like you're doing good. Like this is uh this is progress. That's really what it is. So um, it kind of sucks. Obviously, that's a, a severe condition too. So I think anyone listening uh, can understand why you would want to implement the medication side. When was it? Because if this was 2011, I know that we actually asked or talked about this on your show, and I'm sorry that I forget. When did you f- uh, find FDN? Because it was quite a few years afterwards. I mean, this is down the road. Yeah. So I, I went for many, many years kind of ignoring this disease, not really accepting it. You know, I was taking meds, making changes to my diet, but really just not committed. I mean, you actually said this on, you know, my my podcast, but you like have to commit to healing. You have to commit to actually changing. And I was always half in and half out. You know, I didn't want to disrupt my lifestyle and how I was living. So when things got really bad, it was probably like 2019-ish in there. It was like right before the world shut down with COVID and everything. But there was definitely some times during that year where um, there was a lot going on in my life, but, um, I had worked with Kristen Thomas, who I know is a name in the FDN world. She introduced me to FDN. And at that point, you know, just knowing what she did and, you know, the things that we did together, I was like, wait, actually, I want to do this. This sounds great. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I want to heal myself. And I think this would be a great addition to my business. So I started the program in 2019, finished in 2020, in June when the world was officially shut down. Um, but really that was kind of my turning point. I mean, maybe it was because the world was shut down and I had more time to just focus on myself, but that was the commitment. That was, as I call, as I call that time, my basement days, I was just, my whole body was out of whack. It wasn't just the UC. I was having hormone issues. I had gained a bunch of weight. I had acne everywhere. Like my body was just freaking out. Um, I was getting headaches. I mean, just so many symptoms. And it was just at that point, I was like, I have to get better. And, you know, thanks to FDN and the testing and just learning about stress, I think just knowing all the things that stress can do at our bodies, that was really like the turning point for me. And ever since I graduated, I have been just slowly chipping away at all these different symptoms and hormonal imbalances and thyroid and all of that. And I, I mentioned, I think on the episode we, we recorded, I have an, uh, notes app, the notes app on my phone. Mm-hmm. I had, I listed all the symptoms that I had and I probably had like 30 or 40 symptoms. And I go back to that periodically and just look and more and more symptoms. I can just knock off the list that I just don't deal with anymore. So, you know, even though I'm dealing with like UC flares here and there, I mean, I'm a lot better than I was like, feel so much better. <laughs> Like yeah. happier, energized, so many good things. Well, and what you just said about the notepad, I actually, it segues perfectly to the thing that I was thinking next is like, okay, I didn't understand the the time difference, I don't think, mm-hmm. uh, when we first recorded, or at least I didn't remember it, right? You're in the middle of the day and it's, there's more pressure sometimes when you're the one talking. Um, it, it depends on the day. Sometimes I feel more pressure as the host, other times it's the opposite, right? I don't think I remember as much of the, of the podcast when I'm the one uh, being interviewed. Like I just go somewhere else. It's weird. But my point in mentioning that is I forgot that you said the notepad thing because, okay, hold on for a second. We have before 2011, years of symptoms and warning signs. Mm-hmm. 2011 happens, eight years of the diagnosis yeah. and you are trying, but obviously if through no fault of your own, it's not actually getting better. Nope. And so 2020 is when you finally graduate and you're noticing that symptoms go away for more and more. I think it's not the message that everyone wants to hear, but one of the things that happens with natural healing is someone who has been able to talk to so many clients and so many um, practitioners on this show. Healing does take time. Totally. And when you've had something for over a decade, it 
doesn't always just disappear um, even in a year. And here's the thing. You mentioned that stress is a huge part of this. Okay, you still have to work. I'm sure you probably do some type of workout routine. Like there's still life finances. There's life that exists outside of your disease. So when we're talking about natural healing, one thing I always like people to remember is what are we actually talking about? It's almost a math problem. The lower you can get the stress, the more the body can engage in its natural healing ability. The older we get, the worse this kind of is, right? An 80-year-old is not going to be able to heal as fast as a 40-year-old, and a 40-year-old is not going to be able to heal as fast as a 5-year-old, right? So we have a little more vital reserve, as we say in FDN. Reed always talks about that. But it's really a ratio, because if the stress is super high, constant trauma for the 5-year-old, they might have more vital reserve than you or I, but they still get sick. And so my point is, it's kind of hard to know all the right things to do and say, okay, I need to reduce stress, but then just turn your entire life off. Like you still have to do things on a daily basis. So I would be, I'd be really curious um, what happens to you in two or three years. Maybe you don't need the medications and this stuff because maybe right now that that scale is like only 5% higher. Like the healing is only 5% higher than the stress, but you're making progress. That notepad's Mm -hmm. getting better all the time. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, crap. Like I remember that's what happened with me with the skin issues. And to be clear, if I stress myself out, that's still the first thing that will happen to me is I'll get a breakout. So it's not that I'm free from it to this day, but that was like the last thing I went, I got 70% better in my skin in the first month of natural healing. It must've taken three years, four years, even before I looked at my skin and I noticed I'm like, wow, I don't have any breakouts today. Like my skin just looks good. That's amazing for someone who not to be gross, but this is actually true. I mean, probably 200 breakouts at once on my face at one point. So that's the progress guys. It it takes some time to heal, right? It's not going to be overnight. So um, I'll be excited to see what can happen to you in the next two or three years. What are you working on right now? Like in in addition to the medications, are you trying anything new or do you kind of just stay um, at a certain base level or what are you working on right now? That is a great question. So um, I, I am in remission now, thanks to some medications that I decided to take back in the fall um, because I, I tried so many things, you name it, I have tried it. Um, but I kind of got to this point where mentally, emotionally, it was really stressful on me just because I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. I was doing all the things and not getting a result. So like mentally, emotionally, I felt like I just needed a break from like yeah. all the testing and everything. But just last week, I ran a GI map, so I'm waiting for those results. And yeah, we're just, I'm just going to continue to work on the gut health because now, like, I don't have any symptoms besides the UC. So, like, I don't even really need to work on the other stuff. I mean, knock on wood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my skin is cleared up. My hormones are balanced. My periods are regular. You know, all, all the random things that were going on with my, not random, but all the symptoms that were happening in my health, I mean, really have gotten better. So um, I took that little break back at it. But yeah, just focusing on the gut health and maybe trying to take like a different approach on the gut. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I get any good clues from the GI map as far as moving forward. But, you know, I spent a lot of time on minerals, uh, spent a lot of time on hormones, all that. And yeah, I just, I mean, honestly, like that's like the last thing. So like just to what you were saying, I I wonder if I can, you know, figure this out in the next couple of years. Like I, the only thing that I, I'm a little hesitant to talk about is like cancers and stuff. So I'll, I'll leave that off the table, but almost anything else. And maybe I'm ignorant with this. Maybe I am, but I believe it can be healed over time. I just think what we need to emphasize properly, like your story is the realistic story where it's like, no, this isn't overnight. We have too many people actually, and I I try not to do this. We have too many people that get on this show and they're 10 years in 
to like an intelligent lab tested backed healing journey, right? Um, I mean, technically, in a sense, it, you're, you're really only a few years into this w- using the labs and all that kind of stuff. Right. So yeah, you get someone 10 years in, it looks pretty damn good on the other side. And they're telling these stories and, and you hear the words, but it's almost hard to connect to the emotional states or the severity of the issues back then. You're like, no, this person's telling some crazy stuff here. Like this was a lot of their life that they were really suffering. So no, I think it'll be figured out. I think you're actually proving that. I mean, look at what you just said with a medication. Now it's in remission and you have all these other symptoms knocked off. That's slow and steady progress. And eventually slow and steady progress that doesn't stop leads to Hey, maybe you don't need the medication and you're still in remission. So um, I wish you all the best with that. That's amazing. What did you find on the labs, if you remember initially, when you were doing FDN? Because I'm trying to think 2019, I don't know if we included, did we still only include two lab tests in the course back then? Did you only get like the biohealth stuff? Yeah, I got the biohealth stuff. So like- You didn't get the GI map or anything back then? Nope. And then, you know- All right. Well, then we didn't have as many tools as we do now. For those listening that don't know, we include like $1,000 worth of lab testing in the tuition now. But uh, people like Tina and myself, we actually didn't get that when we first went through. So if you remember um, from the hormone stuff, and I guess that would have been the biohealth 101 back then, which is probably relevant to you. There'd be Indikin on there and stuff. Do you remember any of the stuff that popped up then? Like what were the hormones looking like and what was the- uh, uh, Indican stuff looking like? Like everything was a disaster for the most <laughs> part. So I, I'm throwing out all the big names, but I worked with Ryan Monahan for probably like oh, nine nice. or 10 months. So he ran everything on me, but so much dysfunction, like you name it, it was just so out of whack. Um, and I remember like him doing these review sessions and I was a brand new FDN. So like him talking about some of these things, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. But I mean, working with him was like almost like a mentorship because I learned so much, but I, I have run, you know, HTMAs and Dutches and things since working with him. And so many things look a bazillion times better, but um, yeah, you name it. All my hormones were just tanked. My cortisol was tanked. Although I remember running a Dutch at one point and my cortisol was in fuego. And then as we know, high cortisol becomes low cortisol. And I remember running that Dutch and being like, Oh, okay. This is what Ryan meant. And when I was dealing with that low cortisol, felt awful, awful, like zero energy. Okay. Interesting. So, and yeah, Ryan Monaghan, what a hell of a person to work with, (laughs) with this stuff, you know, and and you're right. It is a mentorship at the same time because he has such an educational way of like explaining stuff. I don't know. You know what I mean by that? It's like he educates while Someone could tell you what to do. A doctor tells you what to do. Ryan mm-hmm. educates you on why you're doing totally. it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do end up learning a lot at the same time, which is cool. But it's also good. I, I'm actually really glad that you got to hear from someone like that so early into the FDN journey, because on one end, is it overwhelming? Yes, it is. But on the other end, I'm thinking, wow, look at all these things that I can still try. Like yep. all this stuff that I don't know yet that can be applied to this condition, um, which leads me to the next question of for those that are out there dealing with this, because of course I'll have ulcerative colitis in the title um, and someone will click on it. That's dealing with the condition. You know, you mentioned stress already, so maybe that's the answer, but what are some of the biggest things or the big thing that you believe has most helped you in getting to where the condition's at today, which is significantly better than when you started. So, and 2019, of course. So what would you say the biggest things that you've done that led to this success so far? Yeah, I think, I think it was being patient with the process because 
I think there's a lot of times I went into diets or trying new supplements with this like desperation and urgency that this was going to be the thing that was going to fix me. And I think really like changing that mindset being like, this isn't the thing that's going to put you into remission. You got to do a few different things as far as like how you approach your diet, how you approach your sleep, your stress management, like the very like holistic approach, basically dress. I mean, dress, the dress protocol really just changed how I looked at everything. Um, but that mindset shift was really huge because now, you know, when I'm doing something, it's because I'm doing it for just my health, you know, overall wellness, self-love, you know, you can put so many different words here, but it's not that like crazy desperation that this is the thing that's going to throw me into remission because that was really stressful and emotional. So for me, I think managing the stress and like the emotional part of it, and then also just a shout out for like getting my nutrition in order in the sense that, you know, in 2011, when I was diagnosed, I was very much eating kind of like diet foods, you know, things that I thought were healthy. They were low calorie. They had like a lot of fake sugars. It was, you know, high fiber, you know, like a lot of those like diety foods. And I thought that was healthy. Um, and then really like learning the FDN approach and different ways of eating and really just seeking out foods that are nourishing. So like I eat a lot of eggs and I eat a lot of red meat and I eat a lot of fish and um, fruit and um, squashes and things like that. So just like really amping up my nutrition and not eating in such a low calorie diet way, but like really trying to find those foods that are going to nourish my body. And as someone with ulcerative colitis, like I already have issues absorbing food and nutrients and everything. So just really focusing on the ones that are heavy hitters. Um, and then big fan of the HTMA as far as, you know, mineral balance and whatnot, but just feel, I just feel so much better. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I used to just be dragging my butt every single day, like low energy, low mood. I'd be snapping at my dog, you know, just like little things like that. I just wasn't my best self. And I think now just really dialing in the diet, seeking out those like nutrient dense foods. I just feel like a better version of myself as cheesy as that sounds. No, 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 absolutely. I love what you said about the mindset thing, because that's where, you know, I didn't, I, may, may, uh, maybe many of us go through this, but I didn't really realize this until pretty far into the healing journey, to be dead honest. But you're right. You kind of approach this as like, I remember for me, cystic acne was one of the biggest motivating things, despite all the other stuff I had, right? We want to look good. We want to feel confident. And I'm no 10 out of 10 on my best day. So I really can't deal with cystic acne. Like I needed to get that going and get away with it. And so when I'm going through that, you're right. The whole idea was this thing is going to be the thing that cures this or fixes this. I, it's this diet. It's this whatever. And then no one really gives you a rule of thumb for, well, how long should it take? So I go right. paleo. I mean, I have the common sense to know that UC or cystic acne is not going to disappear in one night of paleo, but is it supposed to be 30 days or is it a year? And when should I try something else? When do I say that this doesn't work if I don't have this time frame? And that's why I wanted to, um, emphasize that great part of your story where it's like, no, this does take time. Like it's not, you, you can't just change the diet overnight and then all of a sudden expect symptoms to go away. Um, you might occasionally find that certain foods with certain conditions are so triggering that you feel like 80% better. Yes. But I mean, we're talking about things like I, I could eat nothing. I could fast, which is a hugely healing thing. And acne's not going to disappear overnight, right? Mm -hmm. You're still going to have it. Um, we're talking about something with your colon. Like that's it's being used constantly. I'm, I'm actually guessing that's one of the kind of issues with your condition is that 
even if you were, maybe you are doing everything right, but the colon still needs to be used every day. And if you have these ulcers, it's like, that's, that's pretty bad. Like they're going to get kind of pissed off, I guess, anytime something goes through there. So I feel like I'm oversimplifying the condition, but you know what I mean? It's like, if I, let's say I had a stomach ulcer, if I'm constantly eating food, which I kind of need to do to live, that's probably going to piss off the ulcer a lot of the time. So um, it's, it's a nasty little thing. It's self-fulfilling. Did you ever get any other diagnoses or did it just end up being the UC and then all these other symptoms that you had, but no other diagnoses? Yeah, just the ulcerative colitis colitis was the only diagnosis. And I've done colonoscopies and endoscopies and, you know, stool samples. I've I've done all the things, but that's pretty much the diagnosis. Although if anybody's listening, I feel like I have a weird version or maybe it's just me, but I don't have any other symptoms. Like I don't have gas. I don't have bloating. I don't have reflux or GERD. It really is just like the bleeding. And I'm always trying to figure out like why, you know, like, why is that the thing? And just like what you were mentioning, when I was working with Ryan, I did the elemental diet where you just drink your nutrients. So like Mm -hmm. just giving the colon like time to rest. I didn't get one bit better, like not, not even close. I think I actually got worse and I did it for 13 days. Wow. (laughs) Like not eating. And like, I don't know, my, my colon just wouldn't heal. It just, I don't know. I've tried everything. (laughs) You mentioned the stress. So what was, because, you know, a recording is completely different than your real life. I mean, you, you actually come across as someone very calm, very um, <laughs> in control of your words too. Because, well, no, on podcasts, like I do this myself, you know, you kind of get lost in your head, you know, and then you have to refocus, whatever. So you don't strike me as a, a stressed person. But again, the recording is completely different than people's real life. So you, you've said this multiple times now that reducing the stress and you meant it seems like mental emotional was one of the biggest, like, mm-hmm. can I ask, like, what was life like? Like what was going on that was so stressful or was it just the way that you perceived life? Yeah. So my husband always jokes, I'm, I'm like a duck. So if you see like a duck on the water, they're like so calm floating around, but then their feet are like <laughs> paddling like crazy. So I was wondering where we were going with that, but okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like a duck. Um, but yeah, just running my own business. I'm, you know, type A personality, perfectionist, Um, You know, I do have a little like childhood trauma stuff that I'm like still working out to. Um, But I'm just I'm just one of those people. I just work. I love work. I find like a lot of self-worth in my work and achieving and all the things that go with running a business. And honestly, I was just working way too much. Um, And then also during the early diagnosis years, I was running marathons. So it was just like this added, you know, physical stress. And then I was a CrossFitter and doing a lot of CrossFit. So kind of like work hard, play hard too, as far as like my life. And I've just, I've just changed so many things. I don't work out that way anymore. I've hired four people from my team to help me out. So I'm not running the business by myself. So just a lot of changes and just even just like prioritizing sleep. I was somebody that was like, I don't need sleep five hours. That's plenty. Um, And now, you know, I really try to get eight, nine hours of sleep a night. And even that has made a huge difference as far as my mood. my energy, my blood sugar. So yeah. Now we're really painting the picture here. I'm starting to get, you know, (laughs) Tina off air. Like this makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but I'll always, we're here to talk about the truth, not talk about, um, not make people feel good necessarily. I want them to feel good (laughs) with the truth, but you guys should look up the life expectancies of marathon runners because it's not the Mm -hmm. picture of health that you might think. I'll put it this way. It's actually less other than the life expectancy of the standard American. So kind of kind of crazy that, but that's not anyone's fault, right? Because society tells us like you would think that that person's the epitome of health to be able to go do something like that. And it's like, 
No, they're the epitome of a, an endurance athlete. That's not necessarily the same thing. That means they're very good at that one task. Like when I see these like ultra marathon runners, I have such a high respect for that discipline. And I'm sure with your type A mindset that you described, there's always going to be a part of us that's like, damn, I, I get you and I respect that grind. But at what cost? It's like, holy crap, that's an insane thing to put the body under. They're like, I've been up for 24 hours running. I'm like, mm-hmm. If I stayed up for 24 hours right now, I'd feel like crap, let alone putting on, you know, whatever, how many miles you do in 24 hours. That's nuts. Um, The last thing I wanted to ask real quick, just before we talk about what you do, where people can find you, stuff like that, is you, you said you've ran a stool test. Um, what Did anything crazy come up on that or was it kind of standard standard stool tests. Like, you know, there's, there's typical things that come up, but I was just wondering, like, I, I'm really fascinated by what the microbiome might look like. And if there's any pathogenic stuff going on um, in someone with UC, that's why I'm asking. Oh, sorry. You froze for a second there. Um, but okay. yeah, the last stool test I ran was 2011. I was actually looking at it just because I did one last week and I'm anxiously awaiting the yeah. results. Um, but H. pylori, and I have done so many H. pylori protocols. I cannot get rid of it. I have done every version of every protocol, but remember H. pylori. Um, I had low CIG-A, um, which made sense because during that time I was just getting every sickness that my son had. He was a toddler at the time. So yeah. Whatever he had, I had. I was just yep. getting sick all the time. Um, I'm sure the zonulin was super duper elevated. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think there was a few things that were kind of high and low, but I mean, that's, you know, having UC. I mean, there are just things off. But I'm very curious to see what this new GI map is going to gonna say, because it's been a while. Yeah. It's been, you know, a couple we of years. Sure, publicly, but if you remember, let me know. I'm fascinated by, especially since you've done a lot of stuff. I'm just curious what comes up on that. And uh, I hope it provides insights for you to just continue. I love that you keep trying stuff. That's really what it is. You have this super positive mindset around it. Uh, Healthy would even be a better word. You know, not that it's not positive, but healthy is actually more important in this sense, right? You're doing the stuff to live your best life, to make progress, not because you need to get something to a specific place obsessively, right? As some of us type A people could totally be prone to. We got to be careful with that. So what do you do now? I mean, you obviously have the podcast, but what does the rest of your life and work look like? Um, Because I know it's involved, obviously, in this space to some degree. Yeah, so I'm I'm the owner of Carrots and Cake. Um, I still do the FDM thing, but I've also hired another FDM. So I'm throwing out all the big names, but Jennifer Woodward is part of our team helping me out with protocols. Wow, okay. I know, I, I, I know all the big people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. But anyways, um, I have a small team of coaches and FDNs that help me out. And we work with women who are, I would say, 35 plus. Um, a lot of women who are looking to lose weight and change their bodies But as I mentioned in the beginning, we take a very responsible, sustainable approach to fat loss because as I always joke around with our clients, like I can have anybody lose weight. We just put you on a crash diet. But really, like Mm -hmm. the issue is what happens after that diet? Like, how do you maintain those results? Um, So that's definitely a focus of probably like 90 percent of our clients that they want to lose weight in some capacity. But we have a number of women who come to us that have hormonal issues, thyroid issues, gut issues blood sugar issues, you know, things that might be preventing them from losing weight. So we use the functional testing to help really get clear on what is happening in their body and use that data as far as clues and creating kind of a plan of attack, what they should really focus on. Because, you know, if your thyroid is, you know, out of whack or you have blood sugar issues, it just makes losing weight harder. It's not to say that you can't lose weight, but we're very much about finding a realistic and sustainable approach to all of this. And of course, just being 
you know, our, our team is all moms. So I think we work with like a lot of moms who have kids and they're working full time. Um, but just really having that like realistic approach and in the sense of like, what are we doing today? What are we doing tomorrow? Like really coming up with like a step-by-step plan for our clients, because, you know, if you've ever done a review session, you know, after running all these tests, it's kind of overwhelming. There's like a lot of information, a lot of education. There's a million things that you could do. So we really just try to, you know, simplify things for our clients and just make it easy for them, like focusing on one thing at a time and really progressing them through our program. That's great. Jennifer's fantastic. She's actually like a fan favorite on this uh, show. So I'm sure people will love knowing that they at least have the possibility of getting involved with her if they're working with you guys. So um, I'm always curious about this too. These are my favorite parts of the show to some degree. You know, clearly if you have other coaches, you've worked with a great handful of people at this point. You know, a lot of people probably come through the business. And so I'm curious, do you have any, to the degree that you're able to share, there's privacy and stuff, but do you have any like cool client testimonials or really amazing stories of someone that came through? Maybe they're at the end of their rope and we were finally the people that were able to help them. Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, I feel like I don't again, I think it's like the type of person that we attract, but, you know, type A, perfectionist, doing all the things. Um, But we've had a number of clients where, you know, they can't lose weight. They don't feel great. And a lot of times like running these tests and showing them that their body is stressed out. I mean, there's so many different markers that will just show that you are doing too much. You're overtraining, you're over or under eating, overtraining, not sleeping, you know, all the different factors, you know, that go into stress and especially with ladies trying to lose weight, um, that data can be really helpful for them making lifestyle changes. And a lot of times it is eating more, exercising less, and just taking that stress off your body and just seeing your body composition change for the better. So um, it happens all the time with our clients. We actually have a few different case studies on the Carrots and Cake podcast. So you can hear, you know, right from these ladies, like how this transformation went down and exactly what we did. Um, But it's really helpful, you know, running the Dutch test or running the HTMA or a GI map or something like that and getting, you know, that data and being like, okay, we need to focus on X, Y, and Z if you really want to feel better and improve your health and ultimately lose weight. So um, it's, it's, fascinating. I just, I love the testing. I think it's so helpful for these ladies. Nice. Well, and the testing and you know, there's a, this concepts come up many times on this podcast already where you're at one point, you're talking about mental and emotional stress, work stress. We're talking about labs, all this stuff. I'm oversimplifying it a bit, but the end of the, at the end of the day, that's really the core principle of FDN is removing stress. Mm-hmm. Now the labs are great at identifying what we call hidden stressors, right? Hormonal immune digestion, detoxification, energy production, nervous system. Um, I wonder how many times I've said that in my damn life, you know, but it's all about this balance. Like I was talking about, you know, it, there's the scale of like, okay, how much rest can I get to actually restore and how much stress can I tolerate? And so, you know, I'm in the same boat. I love working. I work all the time. I To be able to do that, though, everything else has to be just about perfect, right? You know, we just had to travel for um, FDN like last week. You know, we had to go a different time zone, all this stuff. It was like 7.30 to 9 p.m. every day. It was 7.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. It was ridiculous. And I could feel uh, what was happening to my body because I'm sleeping in a place I'm not used to. I'm not really able to kind of get the foods that I know fuel me best. I don't mean it in um, a quality or like orthorexic way. It's just like I wasn't able to get the amounts that I need because we're so damn busy. And again, sleeping in a different place, the time zone jump, all that stuff. I can already feel, I'm like, dude, if I did this every day, this wouldn't work on my body. So it's it's kind of a 
good message. It's like you can pick your stress. Like anything that you really love, you're probably going to be able to do. You just got to trade off the stress in certain other areas. That's why there are people still to this day, although I don't recommend it, like my dad out there smoking cigarettes and living his best life because he's fairly low stress. He works outside all day. He's extremely physically active. That son has been hitting that man's body 12 hours a day for 30 years. You know, most of us cannot say that. I can't say anything close to that because we work indoors. And so he picks his stress. Again, I wouldn't pick it, but you know, it's like, how do these people survive in today's world? I think a lot of our clients like ask that sometimes, like, how are they able to do that? But I'm doing all this stuff right. And I can't get better. Um, you know, because you pick your stress. Um, and some of the times the stress is hidden and we we haven't directly picked it. And oftentimes the type A personality is a factor here. Because if type A and type B is roughly, I, I assume the distribution is about 50-50, that's not how it works in our practices, right? Type A is like 90% of the people <laughs> that are FDN practitioners or that work with FDN practitioners. And so you're like, well, why does that happen? Is type A the problem? no. But it's a risk factor in addition to all the other stuff that is going on in today's world. If I hit a type B personality with glyphosate versus a type A personality with glyphosate, the type A is going to get sicker faster every single time. Like that's just probably what's going to happen. So um, it's great to know that you're out there doing this work with people and helping so many individuals. Uh, one other fun question that I like to ask about the labs is, do you find in the demographic that you're working with any similar patterns on the labs? Like, are they coming to you at a certain place hormonally? Are they, do they have certain mineral imbalances? Like, are there patterns that come up uh, in the demographic you work with? Oh, yes. Again and again, <laughs> for sure. And there are a lot of things that could hinder that fat loss or just, you know, feeling your best. But we see estrogen dominance a ton as far as women in perimenopause and, you know, 35 plus. Um, we see the four lows pattern quite a bit mm -hmm. on the HTMA just because we work with a lot of moms. Um, and, you know, after pregnancy and breastfeeding and, you know, you're working full time with kids and, you know, you're exercising. There's so many reasons for your minerals to be depleted. Uh, but those are the ones that we see again and again, for sure. Um, maybe some, maybe some other markers that, that could contribute as well, as far as like clues for blood sugar and thyroid and things like that. Okay. If someone's listening and I mean, listen, I always encourage them to work with whoever comes on. Obviously lab tests aren't free. Our services aren't free. Mm -hmm. And every now and then there's some people that hop on that were basically like me at 20 years old. They don't have a dime to their name. <laughs> They're trying to figure this out. They've wasted a lot of money on the health stuff already. If you had to give um, maybe the best piece of free advice, uh, free action to someone specifically with UC, and I say it that way because I have a more broad question that I always finish the podcast with, but specifically to UC, if you could do one thing that you knew was free and that you wish everyone out there with the condition knew, uh, is there anything that comes to mind that maybe they could take away and implement immediately from today's podcast? That is a question. That is a good question. Yeah. Um, I would say like free free would probably be to get to bed and sleep um, I'm also really into like breathing and just taking time to breathe. But if you had a little bit of money to spend or insurance that would cover it, I would say some sort of talk therapy um, that really has been life changing for me, just how I view things and 
my relationship with medications and whatnot, and then just how I view this disease in general. Because, you know, when you're diagnosed with a chronic disease, you have to deal with it forever, or you have the potential of dealing with it forever. I mean, obviously, I want to be in remission forever. Um, But just that idea of like, this is something that you have to deal with has been really hard for me to accept. And I think that's why I ignored it for so long. I really just did the bare minimum to stay in remission. And a lot of times I wasn't in remission. I was having symptoms all all the time. But there was definitely an element of, this is going to sound cheesy, but it's been really helpful for me, this like self-love and self-worth and knowing that I didn't have to like earn my health. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of times that I was doing things because I had to like get to a certain point and earn that health. And really just going through talk therapy and really working through a lot of that like emotional stuff and where some of these ideas come from. I just have a better relationship with the disease and healing and health and honestly just being happy. I mean, it's like so cheesy to say, but I just feel like I was in such a dark place with this disease where everything was terrible. The sky was falling. I was negative all the time. And now I have this disease and I just kind of live my life and I'm pretty damn happy and healthy. So it's just that mental relationship with the disease has been amazing, but the the talk therapy has been so great. Yeah. And you know what, Tina, I mean, depending on the audience, I can understand why it might sound cheesy, but I don't think you have to worry about that here. (laughs) Certainly not uh, with me interviewing because that is real. And it's not something that I understood back then. I am not an expert on it. I'm not going to be the person to coach someone in it. But it has come up so much in these stories of healing. We will have some of the smartest people you've ever met on this show. Talk about the labs. Talk about all this stuff. And then you ask for one piece of advice and they say something similar uh, to what you just said. So it can't be underplayed. I think it's the same stigma that makes us think that a skinny person can eat whatever they want. Right? It's like, oh, well, that's not unhealthy. Right? It's like, well... We underplay what food can do to someone, even if they're skinny. We underplay what the mental, emotional stuff can do, even if it seems like the rest of their life's going well. Like, oh, she has a job. She's crushing it in business. Like, we don't have to worry about her. It's like, that's not how this goes. And the trade-off is when you're stuck in the trenches with these damn diseases, man, it can be really hard uh, Mm -hmm. to engage in that gratitude sometimes and engage uh, engage in that positive thinking. But the trade-off is this. If you can nail it then, I think that's why I'm sure you get this. I walk around now and people are like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, you know, in a good way, they're like, he's so happy. He's so consistent. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if I could figure it out or work to figure it out back then when I really had issues and now everything's going well, imagine my level of gratitude now. You know, I know what the mental health thing's like. I know what it's like to think about suicide. I know what it's like to be so embarrassed that you can't leave your house because of the way that you look. And you know what that's like in your own way of doing things, right? So when you can figure out how to have a positive shift in mindset with this stuff in the worst of it, man, once anything starts getting better, you seem like the happiest person in the room. So these are skills that are worth pursuing. All of it takes time. It's never easy. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, but the best thing in things in life require some work, right? If it was mm-hmm. easy, uh, what's what's the reward, right? You you have to have the contrast to know how good it is. So where can people find you? Um, and I also have to ask, even though we're at the 50 minutes, please, wh- why carrots and cake? What, what does that mean exactly for a business about health? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, carrots and cake started 15 years ago, but it really is all about that balance and finding that balance. I mean, I started my blog to lose weight for my wedding day. I mean, that was the goal, you know, 15 years ago, but okay. it's still very much my approach. You know, you're 
having your carrots, but you should also have your cake too. And as my father-in-law says, life's too long to not enjoy the foods that you like and do what you enjoy. So it's very much about finding that balance, but just having that realistic approach to it all. You know, I don't, I'm not very dogmatic with anything really. I'm very like moderate on my approach. Um, but yeah, carrots and cake. It's also a little bit of fun too. We, we have fun <laughs> as well. So- is it carrotsandcake.com then where people can find you? Yep. So carrotsandcake.com. Um, I have the podcast also called Carrots and Cake. And then I spend a decent amount of time on Instagram. <laughs> so you can find me there. I also have a cookbook. It's called the Everything Diet um, Macro Cookbook. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. But if you're somebody that's into the whole macro thing, or you're just into not spending a lot of time cooking, <laughs> mm-hmm. all the recipes are super straightforward. No weird ingredients that you have to like run to the grocery store for. Very straightforward recipes that are easy and simple. But Nice. Uh, I'm that exact same way. My girlfriend's always so nice. Like she cooks a ton of stuff for us. And like, it's the fanciest thing ever. And I'm like, can I just have like my beef with mustard and sweet yes. potatoes? She's like, you just had that yesterday. I'm like, I'm a simple man. Like, yeah. you know, like I appreciate oh, I this, but like, my gosh, like, this is so fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, Awesome. I have my signature question for you for the podcast. And I apologize because I basically gave you a question that's so similar to this. So if it's the same answer, not a worries at all. But the signature question that we always finish on is from a general perspective of health, so not just UC, but anyone listening with any condition, if we gave you a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to either start doing one thing for their health or you could get them to stop doing one thing. So I don't know if this changes the answer at all, but it could be either of those things. Uh, What is the one thing that you'd get them to do? Oh man, there's so many things. I don't know which one I want to go with. I would probably say, this has been a hot topic with some of my clients, is probably just making sure your water is clean. Um, maybe I live in an area where the water is just not great. And it's, I just feel like you drink water every day. You need to hydrate yourself. You cook with it. You shower with it. You're constantly having it go into your body. So that would be something like if you don't have some sort of filter, like your refrigerator filter, probably not doing anything unless you have like a really fancy refrigerator, your Brita filter, probably hasn't been changed or it's really not filtering out what it needs to. But that would be something like if you have the money or you you care about clean water, I, I'd probably go there first. It's like always a conversation with our clients. And I see some crazy stuff on the HTMA. <laughs> okay, got it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'll drop uh, our link that we did with the opposite version of this, right? You interviewing me on your podcast so people can find it. And of course, I'll have all the other links below. But thank you for joining us today and just being so transparent, telling us where you're at with the journey, telling us where you're heading. I think that makes this podcast more useful than a lot of the ones that we've done. And not that those people didn't try, but this is real. This is where someone's probably at in their journey listening. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. Yeah, sure thing. Thank you for having me. 